Uh, all right, so uh, it's my honor to introduce our communicator. This is a guy that I'm just getting to know. Um, <laughs> just kidding, he's my best friend. I've known him for a long time. Uh, this is Billy Sprague. He has an incredible message for you guys today, so put your hands together for Billy. Literally have known each other for our whole lives. <laughs> um, hey, a, a lot of you know my story. If you don't, I, uh, I got to go to college at uh, the Colorado School of Mines, and uh, I got to play football there. Uh, if you know anything about football, we are all about short distances. I played linebacker, and uh, at linebacker, like, you never go more, give or take, 10 yards. If you do, something really good happened or something really bad just happened. So never trying to go long distances, but after I graduated college, got done with football, I decided I'm going to broaden my horizons. I was going to become a long-distance runner. And I was like, I've got this. So I started running, and I'm not kidding you, one time I ran a whole mile, entire mile, amen, right? I mean, exhaustive running, long distances. I was, uh, Kelsey and I, I forgot, Mary, moved to Oklahoma City, I was working in engineering, and this company, our, our building had this awesome gym, like legit gym, everyone would come there, would work out, and uh, they set up as like this health initiative, uh, this thing called March Madness, and you do this like workout competition against one person, and it was like, you know, March Madness, like a bracket, and you go against one person, uh, if you outlasted them, you move to the next round, you do the next workout against a different person, keep going, trying to win for the lucrative prize of telling people you won this random March Madness at your work. So I'm like super motivated, here we go. And uh, the guy who set it up was the first one to sign up. He's like, hey, we need one more person. So I was the last to sign up. I'm the 16th seed. And uh, we go do a plank and I actually beat him. I outlasted him. I'm like, dude, I'm good. I could, be, I could win this thing. I could win this thing. Tell everybody, this company you've never heard of, this gym you've never been to, I won this random competition. So I beat him. I'm like, I could do this thing. There was like wall sits, uh, got through that, push-ups. So I'm like beating people. And then all of a sudden, we get to the big one, the mile run. And uh, I trained for days because I'm a runner, you know? So training for, for days. And uh, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready for this race. And we get to the day. And there's no track. It's not like there's a one-mile track in this place. So the guy's like, hey, man, let's just go on two treadmills next to each other, and uh, we'll just start at the same pace, and then we'll tell each other when we're going up. It'll, it's as close as we're going to get to a race. I'm like, perfect, let's do that. So we get on the treadmills. We start running. We start at, at 10 miles an hour. Way too quickly into this race, he bumps up to 12. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to lose this, so I go to 12. Boom. An unreasonably short amount of time after that, he goes, I'm going to 14. And I go, man, my days of training did not let me go to 14. So I stay at 12. But you stay at 12 too long, you're going to lose the race. So eventually, I had to go up to 14. We're so, I, I can't tell you how early on in the race we were at this point. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm about to pass out. I'm looking at this guy. He's like drinking coffee. Like he's like, this is nothing. I was like, dude, you were made. You were literally created for this. Me, little less so. We keep running. There's like a tenth of a mile left. And I'm like, okay, I've got one shot. I hit that plus button on that treadmill as many times as humanly possible. Just if you've ever been in a race or you know how they work, I lost. You can't do that at the final second and win a race. This is not how it works. So I lose the race, and I just ride the treadmill straight to the floor and lay there. I'm like, I am dead. And this guy, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, he gets off the treadmill and gives me the most fake, oh, that was tough, man, good race literally high fives me as I'm like on the ground. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. High fives me. 
I'm not kidding you, casually walks over, trying to not let me see, gets on the Stairmaster for like 25 minutes while I'm just laying on the floor. I learned a valuable lesson. We're all in a race, right? We're, we're all in this race, but when we run the race that we are created for, it energizes us, brings us a ton of joy, gives us life. And when we run the race that we're not created for, we are left exhausted lying on the floor, exhausted lying on the floor. So when we think about these races that we're not meant to run, where we're going to be exhausted, I want to use this term rat race. And here's why. Rat race is uh, two rats. They go through the maze, right? It's an experiment. And then they're racing for this piece of cheese. But the distinguishing characteristic of a rat race is that the rats exert more energy than the reward is worth. The rats exert more energy than the reward is worth. And so we have all these areas in our life where, where we're running these little races and it requires everything from us. It's taking out all our energy. As we're running, we're exhausted. And then we get to the end thinking like, this is going to be sweet. And there's this like tiny cube of cheese, right? Like we're super dissatisfied with what the reward is. And so rat races, they leave us exhausted and dissatisfied while God's race energizes us and brings us joy. So where are you experiencing some rat races this morning? Is it, maybe it's work. Like you're like, man, I'm feeling exhausted and, and I've had this reward and it's not worth it. And I'm not talking about like working hard at work. Like if you're tired from work, that's cool. That's a good thing. It's actually biblical to work really hard. It's a good thing. When, uh, when Kelsey and I moved back to Denver from Oklahoma City, uh, oh, I, I, we moved for a new job. I was working in engineering. And uh, so we moved. One week later, I start the new job. One month later, our, our uh, daughter Emery was born, our firstborn. And then a month after that, I started my MBA. So for the next two years, that was our jam. And I'd go to work some days, and I'm like, man, I'm caught up in this rat race. Like, I'm caught up in something like, man, I just showed up today just for money. And it left me, like, dissatisfied. It left me exhausted. I was exhausted at the end of that day, right? I mean, I'm just here for that. I go home. I'm exhausted. I'm not pouring into my kids. I'm not excited about working on the MBA, and I'm just, I go to bed. I'm exhausted, and I don't really want to do it again the next day. But then there were days, right? It's not like I was doing that, and then one day there's this magic day where all of a sudden, man, I'm fully running in God's race. It's like, no, there's this, some days where I would have that perspective, like, man, work is part of God's race. Man, this work, this falls under what God has for me, God's intention, God's race. And man, I'd show up, I'd, I'd start thinking about my coworkers, I'd pray for them, I'd be like, man, how can I go love on these guys? How can I go love on the people that God has put in my life? And I'd set up like a lunch with somebody instead of working through lunch. I was just, I was more missional. I had that mindset like, man, work is part of God's race. And I'd go home. I'd spend time with my kids. I'd disciple them. And at the end of that day, I just felt like energized. I was like, man, I can't wait to do that again versus feeling exhausted. And so if, if it's not work, uh, maybe you've got kids like in that really young phase, like at diapers or something. Said that at the 8 a.m. Be surprised how many people don't have diapers at the 8 a.m. You're either 20 or you're 6 at the 8 a.m., right? And uh, so you might be in that phase, right? You've got kids in diapers or in another phase, and there's part of you that's in like a rat race with your kids where you're almost just like wishing that season away, right? Like they, they kind of, kids get to this cool phase where they start learning stuff, like how to throw stuff away. And the first time your kid picks up a piece of trash and goes and throws it in the trash can, you're like, that was amazing. I'm the best parent that has ever lived. Thank you, Shannon. When your kid does something cool like that, you're like, let's go. But then here's what happens. They grab your wedding ring, and they're like, trash. And you're like, no, 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 no. You have to, like, train them extra hard. Uh, at this point, too, what happens is poop is not even gross to you. It's just like a fact of life. You're just like, this is where I live now. And so you can end up kind of wishing these phases away, right? Or, or, or then your kids get an iPhone and social media. Can't imagine that's easier. 
right? And you're like, man, I just want to get through this. I want to get past this. And you're kind of in this rat race of like, I just want to get past this phase instead of seeing the intentional part that God has given you, right? And then you might have some days where you're like pouring into your kids, you're reading them a story from the Bible, you're praying with them, and something clicks for them. They get it. They see that they're running God's race. They're encouraged to run God's race. They tell you something. You're like, this is incredible. And you can't wait, well, you can't wait for the next day. You're like, man, I can't wait to disciple you again. And then they like go off and do something random the next day. And so you have to keep going. We have to keep running God's race. If it's not that, maybe for you it's like uh, option overload. You're like, man, I love relationships. I love experiences. And I just want, to, I want as much of that as I possibly can get. You live your life uh, a little more Cheesecake Factory style, a little less In-N-Out Burger style. Anybody eating at those places? No. Okay, no one gets this. Okay, let me explain to you. <laughs> In-N-Out has three options. Number one, number two, number three. You, you can't overdo it there. Cheesecake Factory is an 85-page PhD dissertation. <laughs> Boom, whatever you want. Sure, it's choice. You can do whatever you want. At, at, you, I swear, if you order something on the menu, like, no, we can make that. We have the whole world in here. And so when, the, the problem is when we get into that Cheesecake Factory menu, we say yes to everything, and we end up having to say no to things that will actually bring us joy and that will actually fulfill us. So we want to run God's race because outside of those, God loves relationships and experiences, but when it's outside of God's race, we're left exhausted. We want that to be within God's race. So I want you to identify today, like, where, where am I running a rat race? And, and if we're being honest, we're not really just running one of these. We're running, like, ten. We're, like, scattered all over the place. Like, man, sometimes over here I'm just, I get caught up in this race, and then over here I get caught up in this race, and then over here we're running all these rat races. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And what you might have noticed, too, is you're, like, thinking through these things. like, they're not bad things, right? You're not in these races like, man, I'm just doing all these bad things. It's just they have not taken their proper place under God's race. They're not a part, you haven't brought them in. Man, this is a part of God's race. He brought work to me, he brought kids to me, he brought this experience, these relationships. He has brought that to me, and now it is part of God's race. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our series in Acts, and we get to watch Paul, who's running this awesome race, and he's got a bunch of tips and uh, important information for us to understand how to run God's race and how he's doing it. So Paul is uh, on his way to Jerusalem. He's traveling all over. He's on his second missionary journey. He's heading to Jerusalem, and it says that he passed by Ephesus. If you've noticed these last few weeks, probably even like a couple months, there's been a lot of stories about Ephesus. It's just like a, a, a big hub. It's, Paul's been going there a ton. There's a lot of stories and acts that come from that. And I think he passes by because he's like, man, I'm trying to get to Jerusalem. And when I come to Ephesus, all these things happen, and I get bogged down. So he goes right past it, and he goes to this town, Miletus, and it says that he calls the elders to him, and he starts talking to the elders of Ephesus. And so we pick up in Acts 20, verse 17. He says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, gathering the elders. He's bringing them to him. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility, with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Paul sets an example for how to live and run God's race. He's like, man, you know how I did it. You know the example that I set. And I serve the Lord with great humility. Paul gets, he's like, man, I know this isn't my race. This is God's race. God, not my will be done, but yours. He comes at every approach with great humility. And Paul actually understands a ton. He comes from this place of a time in his life where he was super prideful. He's out persecuting the church. He's building himself up. He's like, man, look what I'm doing. 
look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm growing my status in these Jewish leaders. I'm growing a ton. And now, as I've built up my status and my power, I'm going to persecute the church. I'm persecuting these followers of Jesus. And then he has this crazy encounter where Jesus literally comes to him, and he, he, he gets revealed to the truth of Jesus Christ. And as he gets revealed in that truth, he then goes out from there, and there's no other posture but humility. There's no other posture from that encounter than humility. God, I didn't even deserve this. You came down and did this for me, Jesus. And so he walks in humility, and it says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. Paul is passionate about God's race. He comes with humility and with tears, this passion to run God's race. He, he, he sees the pain for people, and he sees the eternal perspective. Uh, people have got to know about Jesus. He's brought to tears. He feels it. He sees it in people. He's like, man, I'm so passionate about God's race. And so he comes with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by my Jewish opponents. Paul is also Jewish. And he's saying, man, I'm experiencing severe testing from my people. And it doesn't exactly say this, but can't you like empathize with, with Paul a little bit there where you're like, man, that'd be really hard. Like your closest people, your family, your friends, like, it should be your people. They should be listening to you. They should be able to understand you. Do you have like people like that in your life, right? Like, is it your family? Is it your closest friends that, that don't understand your walk with Jesus? You actually feel the most misunderstood by some of the people that are closest to you. That's what pa Paul gets that. He's experiencing that. He's getting opposed by, the, by his Jewish opponents. And so he sets the example for running God's race with humility, with passion, with tears, and he's experiencing severe testing. He's telling us, man, this is going to happen. So then he says in verse 20, you know I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. He's saying, man, I've, I've taught you publicly. I've brought together. Church is important. We're coming together on Sunday. We're hanging out. We're checking in with each other. We're loving on one another. We need to get trained up, and then we're going to go out. We're going to go house to house. I'm going to come over to your house. You're going to come over to mine. It's more intimate. We're going to share what's God teaching us. What am I going to apply? What am I going to go out and do? Paul's showing us this is exactly how we're going to do this thing, publicly and house to house. And so then he goes on in the next few verses. He's talking about um, how he's sharing with the Jews and the Gentiles, his people, the people that aren't his people, and people are coming to faith. Everybody needs to repent. It needs to come to repentance is what he says. Everybody needs to come to repentance. And then he says it seems like no matter where he goes, the Holy Spirit's warning him of hardship. It's like, man, no matter, I'm going to Jerusalem, and no matter where I go, the Holy Spirit warns me of this hardship However, and so I want to camp out on one verse today. This is verse 24, and he starts that out with however. I mean, I'm going to experience this hardship. Here's my example that I've set. I've come with humility, tears, severe testing, and now he's going to camp out, and he's going to give us some tips on how to run God's race. So verse 24, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Man, this is good, right? Man, Paul is like somebody who's been in God's race and he's saying, here's what happens. Here's what I see. Here's what you need to know. And so he's running this race and I want to break this down. These are three tips. I think, I think of Paul as our, our racing champion, right? He, he knows how to do it. So we're gonna get three tips from our racing champion. The first is in God's race, I don't have to think about myself. Whew. That's a relief. Oh, thank goodness. I don't have to think about myself. It's not about me. Sometimes when we hear that, you tense up a little bit until you say it enough times. It changes in tone. You're like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Oh, it's not about me. Thank God. 
Thank you, Jesus. I can, I, I, I can agree with Paul here. I can see what he's feeling. It's an addiction that we have to think about ourselves. It's actually an addiction, right? The whole world, too, is pointing us to it. It's not like we get all this reprieve when we go out into the world like, oh, now it's easy not to think about myself. How are you doing? What's your plan? YouTube, every movie, shooter's choice, choose your own adventure, do your own thing. Everything is telling us to focus on ourselves. It's an addiction we have to break. Paul says this when considering thinking of, not about yourself but others. Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. To the interest of others. I don't have to think about myself. I can think about others. And he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Right? In this verse 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. To me is the key. Let me be clear with that. Consider my life worth nothing to me. God thinks your life is worth everything. He sends Jesus to die for you on the cross. Your life is worth everything to him. But Paul's saying here, in light of, the, of, of this race we're on, on God's race, in light of his majesty, his glory, in eternity and his plan, we can say with joy and relief, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Uh, have you guys seen the picture of the universe? The like new picture? Thumbs up, No. No one, yes, yes. Okay, I saw a bunch of them. Nice, okay. I nerded out when I saw this. I was like, this is sick. We got a picture, boom. Universe, let me, uh, let me give you what this is. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope has delivered the deepest and sharpest infrared image of the distant universe so far. When I saw that, man, I was jacked up. Let's go. Like, look what God has done. Look what he made. Look what our God does. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. We serve, we serve a God who breathes out stars. He breathes out our sun. He made all that. The sun. If the earth was a little bit closer, we're all burnt to a crisp. A little further away, we all freeze to death. God breathes those out. That's the God we serve. That's, that's the God we're running this race for. In God's race, it's easy for us to consider my life is worth nothing just in light of his glory. It's just in light of his glory. So I don't have to think about myself, so what do I do? I consider my life worth nothing. What, is, what does this look like? I've got two ideas. One, listen to God. And two, pray for other people. We, uh, we've talked about this some. We did a disciple-making movement training back in December, and this guy Curtis trained us up. And one thing he posed to the group that has really stuck with me is he goes, in your prayer time, about 50% of your time in prayer should be listening to God. Should be listening to God. I'm thinking, man, I'm probably at 0%. 50-50, man, that sounds good. In light of a star-breathing God, the God who created every single one of us, every single person in his image, sounds like a good idea, man. I'd love to listen to God. And we get all this information from the world and all these lies in our head and our thoughts aren't super clear. And you're like, man, no, 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 no. God, I just need you. I want to listen to you. I want to sit here. I want to, I want to be in your presence. I want to listen to you, God. So in your prayer time, listen to God and then pray for other people. Make a list. We got cards still back there on the prayer list. You got five friends who are believers, five who aren't. Make a list. Put it on your fridge. Put it in your car, wherever you are. Pray for other people. It starts to turn you from, from being so inwardly focused. I'm amazing at praying for myself. I'm amazing at it. The best prayers for myself. But it's exhausting. I, I, it's, it's not always the most refreshing thing. 
And it's okay, right? It's okay to think about ourselves sometimes. Isn't it? We don't have to think about ourselves all the time. We start praying for other people and our focus gets off of ourselves. It's more aligned with God. We get to pray for other people, care for them in God's race. So the first tip Paul gives us in running God's race is we don't have to think about ourselves. The second tip is that in God's race, perseverance is required. Perseverance is required. Perseverance is this, to persist in an undertaking in spite of opposition or discouragement. So it's not just surviving. It's not just barely, it's not just like making it through. It's to persist in an undertaking in spite of opposition or discouragement. There's a course set out for us, right? Like there is a race, there's a course that God has for us and it's not easy. We need perseverance. That's where Paul, Paul says here in verse 24, he says, my only aim is to finish the race. He has to be so focused on finishing that race. He needs perseverance. He's got to be laser focused, finishing the race. And perseverance is required for finishing the, this race for multiple reasons. One, there's all kinds of distractions. And typically these distractions come from people who aren't even in the race. They're not even in it. Uh, Tour de France is going on. Anybody watch that? Yep, no. Yeah, three of us. Sweet. Awesome. Okay, so giant cycling race throughout France. Tons of cyclists. Every year this happens. There's always a part of the race where it gets like super narrow and all million guys are going through that same thing, riding their bikes 50 miles an hour, two inches apart from each other. And somebody who's not in the race on the other side of that fence is like, high five, waves the flag, does something, snags somebody, whole crew goes down, every single person, just down for the count. They're down from a distraction on the outside. They've all got to pick up their bikes. They've got to get ready. They've got to persevere through it. They've got to get back up and start rolling. There's distractions that are going to come, and we need to be focused. Perseverance is going to be required. And sometimes those distractions from the outside will knock us down. You've got to get back up. Get back on the bike. Start rolling. There's distractions that are coming. We've got to persevere. Perseverance is required. The other reason it's required, there's going to be suffering. If you're loving God, if you're loving people, and you're making disciples, God promises there will be suffering in this. There will be suffering in God's race. I know a bunch of you experience this. But when there's suffering within God's race, it can change our posture, right? It can grow us. It can refine us. It can actually become our joy. In James chapter 1, 2 through 4, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials can become our joy, right? They can become our joy, and despite going through them, they help us to become mature, complete, not lacking anything. Another thing that Paul really understands about racing and persevering is that uh, we think of racing as like an individual sport. Like me versus the world, I'm just running this race all by myself. Paul, he knows this is a team sport. Paul knows this is a team sport. As he's talking, he gets done talking to the elders. In verse 36, it says this. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them, all the elders they brought together, and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Paul knows, man, I cannot do this alone. I need people around me. They prayed for him. They loved on him. He knows you can't run this race alone. And he actually gets this from Jesus. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and when he's going there, he takes a couple of disciples with him, go a little bit further into the garden, 
And this is exactly what Jesus says. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's going through it. He's like, stay here, watch with me. I I need prayer. I need your support. I cannot run this race alone. If the son of God can't run the race alone, neither can we. We've got to have community. And this is why we do Simple Church. You can join a Simple Church. You can start a Simple Church. This is, this is why we do Simple Church. We're not m- meant to run this race alone. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was up here, and I got to tell you about how our Simple Church just like flooded us with love. We got in a bad car accident, and they all supported us. Since then, I have heard the coolest stories about Simple Churches. People like sharpening one another, like financial support amongst believers in their Simple Church. Soaps just getting shared everywhere. Soaps getting sent everywhere. And if you're new, you're like, why are we sending soap everywhere? It's the cleanest church I've ever been to. Soaps is an acronym, scripture, observe, apply, pray. So it's being in our scripture, it's observing, it's applying it, it's praying, and then sharing it with other people. We're sharing soaps everywhere. Tim and I, we love to share soap. Soaps, soaps. Ron, Ron, we share soaps. Jay, sometimes we share soaps, you know. Kayla, we share soaps, you know. If you're new, I... I'd love to talk to you later. Please don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) We're helping each other get in the word and persevere. Man, what are you reading from God and how are you applying this? That's what we we need. Jesus knows, man, I, I needed my community. Paul knows he needs community. We need community to push us to the word and to be obedient to it, to run God's race. So the second tip Paul gives us in running God's race is that perseverance is required. The third tip he gives us is that in God's race, the directions are meant to be followed. The directions are meant to be followed. All of us runners in the room, you know, we know this. Uh, you you, you got to follow some directions, right? A good sock shoe situation, very helpful. Hydration, very good. Don't get lost on the race. If uh, you've only run one mile, 26 is a lot. You're very susceptible to getting lost. But the Bible, too, it, it's not just an instruction manual. It's also this, like, amazing love story between God, the one and only God, and his creation, that are made in his image. It's the story of us continually walking away from him and him continually drawing us back, drawing us back, drawing us back. It's this love story, and within it, he has these commands and directions that help us grow in our relationship with him, that grow us deeper in this relationship. So back to our verse in 24, Paul says, and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is great direction. There's this task. He understands, man, there's, there's one race. This is God's race. And the point of that race, he, Paul's saying, man, my task is to testify to the good news of Jesus. And this is the good news specifically to the story of Jesus, the gospel, right? Where, where Jesus came down, he lived a perfect life. He died for all of us on the cross. Three days later, rose from the dead and sits next to, next to God, sits on his throne as our king but it's also God's story of grace in your own life. So man, in, the, in light of Jesus' story, in light of God's story, how has this impacted me? How has God's grace affected my testimony? And so at the end of Simple Churches, we always ask this question, uh, who are you gonna share your story with or who are you gonna share God's story with? And we're seeing people share their testimonies all over the place. We're seeing people share God's story all over the place. It's awesome and it's scary. You're getting ready to like share your story or share God's story. Like if I have that spiritual conversation, you're like, oh boy, I can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. Oh God, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Okay, I'm good. But when you go and share it, you're like the most energized you've ever been. 
It like fills you up. You're like, yeah. Even if they're like, man, I want nothing to do with that. You're kind of like, step back like, I'm good. I'm still alive. I'm still intact. I'm still following Jesus. I'm good. I could do that again. And then if you share and they're into it, you're like, man, I'm jazzed up. Let's do this thing, man. I'll go share this again. So this week, I want to challenge you. Share your story. Share God's story with somebody. So the tips that Paul gives us. One, you don't have to think about yourself. So listen to God and pray for other people. Two, perseverance is required. Don't do this alone. Jesus and Paul needed a spiritual family. So do we. And then three, the directions are meant to be followed. Share your story or God's story with someone this week and be refreshed. Feel that feeling. Feel that feeling of refreshment. So as Paul gets down to to the end of this with the elders, he says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. At the end of God's grace is the greatest reward. It's the inheritance. It's the presence of God. At the end of that, of this race, of God's race is his presence. And what's cool about God's race is it's not just at the end that we get that, we get experience God's presence throughout the whole race. Man, he wants to run the whole thing with us. I, uh, I've got a one and a half year old son uh, named Brody, and I think we got a picture of him. Yeah. That's my guy. When uh, Brody in this last year has like learned to walk, and when, whenever they start to walk, like they kind of get from that four person thing and they kind of start to stand up, and you're like, you're going right back down, and then they kind of take a step. They take another step. And sometimes, I'm like, Brody just falls straight on his face. And you go and you, like, help him up. And I'm just standing there waiting. I'm like, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're coming to me. I'm so excited. I can't wait to pick you up, throw you in the air, and just celebrate you. So he falls down. I pick him up. He falls down a different time. I'm like, you got this. Dust off. I'm helping him persevere. Get up. You got this. He keeps coming. He comes to me. I throw him in the air as high as I possibly can because I love doing that. At the end of our race, God's arms are open wide. He's saying, I can't wait to be with you. And then we don't even have to run this race alone. He gives us other people, but he's present in the race. He's right alongside you. He's like, man, I want to run with you. I want to do this race with you. Paul summarizes all this that we're talking about today perfectly in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're in community, we're spurring each other on, We're not running this race alone. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw it off. Get rid of it. There's all these rat races. They're trying to entangle us. Get rid of it. Throw it off. Just throw it off. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This isn't easy. It's going to take perseverance. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be suffering. It's going to take perseverance. And we're going to be continually refined, too. He knows that. This isn't going to be perfect. It's not, we're never going to trip. We're never going to fall. This requires perseverance. He knows it's going to take time. We're going to keep running this race. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. God's race requires that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Everything falls under that. Everything falls under the glory and majesty of Jesus, our Savior and our King. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There's going to be suffering. Jesus experienced suffering. He tells us we're going to experience suffering. He endured the cross. He showed us how to do it. Enduring the cross, scorning its shame, 
and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God where we get to worship him. Jesus gets to sit at the, at, the, at the right hand of God on his throne in his proper place, king and savior, and we get to worship him now and forever. And then in verse three, Paul says this, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus, our savior, who knows the suffering we're going through. He knows what it's like to be fully human He knows exactly what we're going through. He sees us fighting, pushing towards him. In a minute here, we're going to take communion. And and as as we think about communion, consider Jesus. Consider him who endured. Right? The whole point of communion is to remember him. It's to remember him. So we'll keep running this race marked out for us. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because apart from him, we're going to be exhausted. We're going to feel dissatisfied. But as we put our hope and our trust and our obedience in Jesus, we will find immense joy and energy. So let's ask him to help us run this race. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that you see us. Thank you that your arms are stretched open wide and that you're not just waiting off in the distance, but you're here with us now. We get to experience your presence now. And as we put our hope and trust in Jesus, we get to experience your presence forever. Jesus, thank you for going before us. Jesus, thank you that you know suffering, you know pain, you know what we're going through. There's no experience we've had that you don't understand. As we go through suffering, refine us. Help us to better understand you, our suffering Savior. Thank you for going before us. Thank you for saving us. Help us to testify to your good news, Jesus, and how you've impacted our lives, God. Thank you, Lord. We give you the honor and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.